This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. If I'm honest with you, oftentimes when I, when I hear the word generous or, or the act of being um, generous and generosity, I think of abundance. You know, I, I just think of like, what do I have so much of that I'm okay giving a little bit of it away so that I can still have some more, right? Like we think about the, the more that we have, like what's overflowing in our life so that we can step out and be generous in that area. And I, I think when we do that, we really just miss, we miss the boat on what God wants for our life. Like we just we just completely miss it. Like I think God, I, I feel like He's just up there. He's saying, like, look, look, that's great. You got an abundance on there, but that's that's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about being faithful with just the little, you know, faithful with the little, the things that that we don't see in His abundance. But but that's what God, that's where God wants us to to put our faith to on on the little things in in life that we have, and that brings Him pleasure. And you know, I love how this shapes out in the the parable of the talents. This is in Matthew chapter 25. Now, um, some, some translations call this, uh, like I said, parable of talents. Some of it calls the parable of gold bags. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd like a couple gold bags in my life, so that's, that's where my scripture is coming from today. Is gold bags is what we're going to talk about. Um, but this, this story, this parable of talents, told by Jesus, told by Jesus, uh, it's, it's about this master, right? He's got a lot of stuff. Just got a lot of stuff. And uh, he's, he's packing his bags. He's getting ready for a journey. I don't know where he's going. That's not important, so don't worry about that. Let's not get caught up on that thought. But he is leaving. And just like any of us in here today, like when we get prepared for a vacation, when we're leaving the house, what are we doing? We're calling somebody, right? We're, we're getting a spare key. We're giving it to another family member. We're like, somebody's got to take care of my animal, my dog, my cat. I got I to gotta get somebody that I trust in my life to, to help me out while I'm going. So he, that's what he does. He calls in three servants. So I imagine just like us, these are guys that he, he trusted. And, and he's calling them into his office or wherever he's meeting them at. He's calling them in. And what he's doing is he's dividing his property, dividing his property so they can look after it while he's, while he's gone. And, and we know from Scripture that one guy gets five bags of gold, another guy gets two bags of gold, and then the third guy gets one bag of gold. And we also know in Scripture that, that these amounts were divvied up based on these guys' abilities. So they've got certain abilities, and this master, he divides these amounts up based on that ability. So now let's fast forward. He's gone. And the taxi's left. The plane's left. And, and when we jump into Scripture here at verse 16, we see what happens back at his home where, uh, where he divvied up this property to these guys. We see what they did with it. So in verse 16, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So, you know, in these verses, they're kind of expanding on what these guys did. Like, we knew they were given this based on their abilities. And now we're hearing firsthand here what happened, like what God, he did with those abilities and, and who gained and who didn't and who went and dug a hole and stuck it in the ground. So, so we're going to fast forward again. We're going to go to when this guy returns. This master's returning his vacation. And what we all do when we come back from vacation is we get settled in, don't we? We do our laundry. We check our mail. We make sure everything at the house is good. And that's what he's doing. And he's got to settle these accounts with these guys. 
So we're going we're gonna to kind of go a little bit in reverse order. We're going to start at verse 25 when he gets back home. He calls the servant with one bag in, and this is what the servant said to him. He said, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Isn't that crazy? You wicked, lazy. Gosh, that hurts, right? But what's interesting is he's calling him a wicked, lazy servant because he dug a hole and put, put the gold in the ground and did nothing with it. But never leading up to this, were there any expectations to find it? You know, most of us in our work, like we have a checklist or, or you know, our, our policies or procedures, whatever they may be, they, line, they lay out our expectations throughout the day and throughout the week of what we're supposed to do. But never did this master in this scripture say what he expected them to do. But there is that understand, understandable um, expectation of they're supposed to use their abilities, right? Their God-given talents and their abilities. And obviously this guy did not. And he was called a wicked and lazy servant. So now we go to verse 22, and we see the guy with two bags being called to um, settle with the master. And he said, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And, you know, we see very similar, um, we see it happen very similar with the guy with five bags. In verse 20, he says, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So, that, you know, these verses, they're all about faith. If you read on a little bit, you'll see whoever, whoever has, whoever has the faith will be given more, and whoever has not, no faith, it will be taken from them. But two other things I want to point out that I, that I kind of learned from reading this parable, and that, that's number one is that we've been entrusted with gifts. My gifts are going to be different than your gifts. Your person beside you, their gifts are going to be different. And that they vary in maybe where they are, whether it's in our job or in our family or just in our, in our daily lives. It's going to be different amongst all of us. But we can confirm from this that we've been given gifts. And number two, we can also confirm that we've been given abilities. And again, they're going to be different. They're going to be different abilities. In some translations, they describe the guy with five bags as being an investor. So his ability was taking those gold bags and investing them and doubling that. And then the guy with two, they, they talk about him being, him being good at working. So he's good with his hands, completely opposite of me, right? I'm good. I sit down at a computer all day, so I'm not that good with my hands. I can type and I can click the mouse. But I picture him good with his hands, so he went to work and doubled his investment. And see, we see we've been entrusted with gifts. We've been given abilities. And these abilities, we've been given these abilities to manage the limited blessings from God. We've been given these abilities to manage the limited blessings of God. I'm not saying that God is limited. I'm not saying there's anything little about our God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the blessings that we have, the gifts that we have, the abilities that have, no matter the amount that we see, it's little to God because he can do so much more. There's so much more that God can do that we can't even comprehend. And if we go back to this parable, I think what we need to understand what's important about this is it's not about the amount you've been given. It's not about the amount you've been given. It's about how faithful you are with what you have that matters. It's all about having the faith. And we can see two of those servants being described 
in the same way when they were faithful, right? Good and faithful. They brought joy. They brought happiness to, to their master. And it's, um, it's that faithfulness that we have to have with the little things, right? And so you're going to hear this question throughout this series. We've got three weeks in this series. You're going to hear this one question. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write it down. Revisit it throughout the series and see what God speaks to you in this. But it's, will you be faithful with a little? Will you be faithful with the little things you have? And I think if, if I go out on a limb here, I can say there's at least one thing all of us in this room can agree on. And that's we have little time. I think we would all agree that, that our time is limited. I don't know that I've ever been in a phase or a season of my life where I was like, man, I just had too much time. Like, I didn't need 24 hours yesterday. I needed about 10. I got everything done. I don't, I don't know why I had all those extra time. I didn't need all these weeks this year. I just needed half of them. I don't think any of us have ever woken up and be like, man, I just got too much time today. No, we would all say that we are limited with our time. And in a world that tells us we always need more, that's a struggle. That's a struggle for us. Like, we live in a society that tells us every aspect of our life needs to be increased. I live in a world that tells me I need more shoes. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, right? But we also live in a world that tells us we need more money. We need more friends. We need to, to climb that pole, that totem pole at, at work. We need that advancement. We need more. And it's because, it's because that we have a limited amount of time that, that it's important. And it's, it's, we first need to look at how we're scheduling our time right? It's important for us to know how we invest our time matters. How we invest our time matters. And when we look at the days of our, you know, the days of our life, how we're investing our time, I think we need to first go into the actual schedule of our lives. So number one in your notes would be do not prioritize your schedule, but do schedule your priorities, do not prioritize your schedule. Do schedule your priorities. And why is that important? Why is that important? Why do I say schedule your priorities? And it's because, like, if I went through and had any conversation with anybody here today, we would talk about the priorities in our life. And we would talk about those things as they're the most important things in our life. That would be kind of how we define ourselves. That would be us defining where we want to and where we will spend our time. So it's, it's important to make sure that we get those priorities scheduled in our life, and we stick to that. We stick to that plan. If we look in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And, you know, just kind of being a little honest, like when me and my wife were talking about having kids uh, 9, 10, 11 years ago, it, we were too busy, right? We were looking at our schedule, and we were like, we can't have kids because, well, we've got work. We can't have kids because we got hobbies. We got things that we care more about, things that we put more emphasis on, as opposed to kids being a priority in our life. And it, w it was tough for me to understand that I needed to schedule that as a priority for God to deliver that. You know, your schedule will always, your schedule will always say you do not have time. Your schedule is always going to tell you you do not have time, whether that's time with your family, your spouse, your friends. Maybe it's, maybe it's your schedule telling you you don't have time to serve on a Sunday, serve in the local church. Your schedule will always tell you do not have time 
until you schedule your priorities. And I believe if we can take ownership of that, if we can take ownership of our calendars and our schedules and make sure that we're scheduling our priorities and the things that matter most to us in life, then we'll, start, we'll stop procrastinating on the things that God puts right in front of us. So number two in your notes is do not procrastinate. Do not procrastinate, but do act in the present with the end in mind. So let's, let's be honest here. How many of us procrastinate? I'm going to be honest too. If at least 60, 70% of y'all don't raise your hand when I saw you walk in late to church today, I'm going to call you a liar on your way out when I see you in the lobby. We play two, three songs up front, and it's not so you can procrastinate to get to church, right, KT? It's so you'll get here and you'll worship with us and sing to the Lord. Stop procrastinating. Get to church on time, right? I do it too. I, I do it too. I procrastinate too. And the truth is, a lot of times we procrastinate because in the moment, in the now, it's, it's easy. Like, it's easy to, to relax. It's easy to sit on the couch and put things off. It's easy to, to kind of not rush to get somewhere on time or a little bit early. Those are the relaxing things in life. But the problem is, those are just in the now. But if we, if we're dis, if we have discipline, we will harvest righteousness. And that's what it says in Hebrews 12, 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. And I, I know we can all agree, right? Discipline's a bad word, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, if we look back to that parable, we're not really given a, a sense of time that, that that master was gone. We don't know if it was, um, uh, you know, a week, a year, or whatever it is. But what we do know is the two servants that had faithful, that, that were faithful and had faithfulness, that they were disciplined. Like, they, they, they had faith in their abilities, and they stayed disciplined to that and they were entrusted with so much more. You know, and I think also, like, we saw the one servant, he, um, he was procrastinating because he was afraid, right? So there's that fear factor. But I also think uh, we procrastinate because oftentimes we feel alone. We feel like we're walking through this life alone. And, and really, like, if you look around this room, we're not alone, guys. Like, we got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. Like, we're, we're here to, we're called to, to do life together. But, but when, we're, when we're often walking in life, we feel alone. And so that we procrastinate, right, because we don't, have, we don't have anybody to keep us accountable for. We don't have anybody in our life that, that is pushing us forward and pushing us to, to act in the present with that end in mind. So number three in your notes is do not do life alone. That is not what we're called to, but do be invested in relationships. And this is many different areas, many relationships. But I don't, also, we can't look at relationships like we, like we would um, economics or something like that. You know, like if any of you guys are, if you like to mess around in the stocks, you put money into it, and what's your hope? Your hope is that you get something back, right? Your hope is that you get something back. You put something in, you're invested, and you get a return on that. But that's not how we're called to be invested into relationships with people. Like we're not called to give into somebody's life just so that they will give back to us. Now, if we look at Luke 3.11, we see, we see whoever has two is to share with who has none. There is nothing about this scripture that says if you have two, you best find somebody else that has two so you can make a trade. That's not what it says. We, we are called to take our blessings as the blessee and to share to become the blesser. We are called to share. And when you share, 
when you, have, when you have those that others don't and you share, you make that sacrifice to give to them, you're showing them that you care. Because we all know people do not care what you know until you, they know that you care. You ever given some advice to somebody before, before, without any grace behind it? They don't care. You're speaking out of left field to them. But once they know you care, once, you, once they know you care, they will trust You'll have that relationship. And Hebrews 13, 16 also says, do not neglect to do good. Do not neglect to do good to others or for others and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We saw this. We saw this in the parable, how their master replied, come and share in the happiness with your master. Like these sacrifices of of sharing what we have, what we've been blessed with, what we've been giving, the sacrifices of sharing and doing good for others. These are our opportunities. These are our opportunities that God gives us to be generous. God gives us so many opportunities, and these are, these are just some of them. In, in, in the relationships in our life, these are the opportunities to be generous to other people. And I just want to encourage you, do not take these for granted. Do not take these for granted. Do not pass on an opportunity. But do say yes to the opportunities. Do say yes to the opportunities from God. And it reminds me, this reminds me of a, when I, when I became a Christian, you know, I was in my mid-20s, and I was doing a lot of crazy stuff, and then I, I accepted Jesus into my life, I got baptized, and the whole time, I'm just like, what's next? What is next, Lord? Like, I accepted you in my life, I did my part, now what's next? What do you have for me? And the problem was, I was looking past the now, I wasn't being faithful with the now, one of, my, one of my pastors in my life, my pastor at that time that I got saved, he said, stop asking God for what's next. If you're not being faithful with what's now, and that just, that's, that's tough, right? Stop asking God for what's next if you're not being faithful with what's now. And for me, it was a simple, it was just a simple perspective change, right? I was looking too far ahead of where God had me in my life. It was just a perspective change. And I think, I think a lot of us can relate to that. You know, like, like our perspectives are focused on something outside of the now. It's focused on, you know, maybe other people. Maybe we're on social media and we're looking at other people's lives. We're seeing what they have, what we do not have, how they're being blessed, how we are not, what they've got going in their life. And it, and it what's it do? It corrodes us, right? It corrodes us. And then we start blocking them because we're blaming them. That's none of you guys, right? You don't block people on Facebook. You guys... We're full of grace in this room, but I see it on Facebook, people blocking other people. And the problem is we're, we're casting blame on them, but we should be casting blame on ourselves. We should be blocking ourselves, get out of our own way, and get into God's way. Get into God's way. We know what way that is. We know it's the way of hope, the way of joy, the way of grace. We get in God's way. We're able to really tap into what he has for us. What life has he designed for us? We can truly live out our purpose. And you know, when God puts these opportunities in our life, I just think that's a, that's a confirmation. That's a confirmation that where we invest our time matters. Where we invest our time matters. And I, I feel wholeheartedly, and look, my mom's here today. You can ask her in the lobby. Since I was like just a baby, I said the one thing I wanted to do in life was be a dad. That was the one thing I wanted to be in life. I didn't care about anything else at that time. I wanted to be a dad. So first and foremost in my life is my family. That's where I want to invest my time. It's in my family. Now, and for, um, 
for my family, we got what I like to say, like five things to where we try to prioritize and invest our time that we find effective for us. Now, we don't have it all figured out. We've got five things. There are a million that we don't have figured out. Just the other night, I took my four-year-old to Jalapenos. He asked me for a margarita. I said no, and he gave me one of these. <laughs> That's my four-year-old asking for a margarita and then got mad when I said no. All right? We don't have it figured out. I'm telling you, okay? Check, please, right? But we do have some of these things. And one of our things is we go to church. We make church a priority in our life. Like, um, we're here most Sundays, me and my wife and our three kids. Every once in a while, we might miss a Sunday. We might be on vacation. It's fine. Or one of our kids is sick. So either my wife and I, we might have to stay home. But, but we go to church. It's not always easy. I don't like getting up early. I don't like getting up when it's cold. I don't like getting up. Well, Brian, what do you like? Well, I like going to church, okay? It's a priority in our life as a family. We go to church. And we also serve. We serve together. We serve together. Right now, me and my wife, we kind of s- split the weekends. Every other weekend, I set up here, and every other weekend, she sets up here. So we're required to be here pretty early most Sundays. And our nine-year-old, it's crazy. This kid, he gets up at 6 a.m. every Sunday, and he is here by 6.45, 7 a.m., helping set up with whatever he can, whatever he can. And that's not something that we force him to do. We don't force him to do, but we do make it a priority in our life that we, we serve. We also pray together. We also pray together. Uh, most of the times that happens around the table, like breakfast, lunch, or dinner. That's usually when we pray together. Uh, but there's also times, you know, at bedtime, we pray at bedtime. We also, if we get a text or a message or some kind of notification that maybe a friend or a family member or even somebody in our church family, they need prayer. We get together as a family and we start praying. We pray together. Now, and it's not just me and my wife that pray. Um, more times than not at the dinner table, our kids are praying probably because they're so hungry and we said we're not eating until somebody prays. But our kids pray, you know, and we pray together as a family. We also check ourselves. I know this is weird because we got a lot of things wrong. We just have to sum it up as we check ourselves, guys. You know, our house is a sacred place. My relationship with my wife is sacred. Like us as a family, we, we want to be protective of that. So we, we look at who, who we're allowing to influence our life, whether that be on social media, TV, um, you know, actual people in our lives. We just, we make sure that the people we invite into our lives and the, the, the media that we invite in our lives, it's encouraging and it's helpful for us. You know, and we also, we also use that as a checks and balance that, that we're speaking encouraging to each other. Like, you know, I make sure that I'm speaking to my wife encouraging. I make sure that I lift my kids up and, and she does the best job of anybody in our house of doing that. But, but we check ourselves. We also watch what we say. Because let's be honest, parents, you ever said something? Your kid repeated it? Yeah, every day, right? Yeah, you stub your toe, they're repeating what you just said. It happened to us the other night. We're watching a movie, and I, I, I really got wild. I really got wild. I put a PG-13 on. I was like, my wife's going to kill me. We put a PG-13 on. We don't have any 13-year-old kids. And, and a, I don't know, five minutes into the movie, somebody drops a cuss word. I'm like, oh, gosh, maybe she didn't hear it. And then all of a sudden, she's like staring at the side of my face. And what does our six-year-old do? He repeats it immediately. He's like, what is this? And I was like, Caleb, we almost made it past this, and then you had to say that. Like, they, they know, you know, they, they, we watch what we say because they're going to repeat it, but we also watch what we say because we know it's a reflection of what's in our heart. Like, if we're always repeating something that's discouraging and negative, we know that's a reflection of what's in our heart. And that's inside our house. Now, we also, 
watch what we say outside of our house. Or uh, let's say we watch what we say to people outside of our house because I think we, we all know that, that words, words have a power. Words have a power that can, they can either completely destroy somebody or they can uplift somebody. And so that's why investing time into people, it matters. It matters. Now, I know people can be difficult. I know that. I know you're probably like, your neighbor might be a little difficult beside of you, or I'm difficult. My kids are difficult. My wife's not difficult. She's the easiest person in the world to get along with. If you disagree with me, I'll kill you, okay? No pressure, but I will, okay? She's the easiest person in the world. But more times than not, people are difficult. Relationships are tough, right? And what happens with a tough relationship? We get a little disagreement, maybe a little argument. We got some tension built up. And what happens when we get tension in relationships this day? What do we do? We disconnect because it's so easy. It's so easy when there's some friction in a relationship or some tension or or just a small disagreement, it's so easy to disengage and replace that space with another relationship. But that's not what we're called to do. That's not what Scripture tells us to do. In fact, 27, 17 in Proverbs says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. No way can that happen if there's not friction. There is no scenario where iron can sharpen iron if they're just sitting still without some friction and some tension. So it's okay. It is okay for relationships to have some tension. It is okay to have some disagreements in, in a relationship and that tension, that friction, because that's where God says we make each other better. We're living for each other and we make each other better. And there's also, I think, I think to invest time into people, I think it's important that we invite and, and we do invest. Like we invite them to make a decision to follow Jesus. We feel like that's going to be your most important decision of your life. And so we want to invite people to make that decision and also invest in that journey as they grow in that relationship with Christ. And that, that could vary many ways. It might be just, um, you know, you serving here on a Sunday. It might be you inviting somebody to a small group. It might just be coffee or something like that with somebody. But we want to invest in that journey for them to get closer to Jesus. And that is a, that is a sign. That is a sign of generosity when, when we are doing something for others. It's a sign of generosity. And I don't know how many times Kevin has said it from stage, but, but we believe here that the world sees Jesus when we are generous. We believe here the world sees Jesus when we are generous. And, and that culture, creating a culture of generosity, that starts, that starts at the local church. That starts at the local church. And that's why I think investing our time in the local church is so powerful. But I want you to know that when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. As important as money is for every aspect, I mean, we got lights, we got rent, we got salaries, not mine, I'm volunteer, but we have other bills that we have to pay. So money is important, but there are so many different avenues that, that, are, that are important to create that culture of generosity that, that money is not the only thing. In Corinthians, we see this. It's, a, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are many different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now you are, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So if you take that... that um, that picture of a body, like we all know, like we got stuff inside our body, we got hands, we got feet. Imagine one day, imagine tomorrow, you wake up with four feet. Your hands, or let's go the other way, you wake up with four hands. How are you getting out of bed? How are you getting out of bed when you got no feet? See, we 
We all play a part in the body of Christ, but we all have a different role. Just in the local church, we can all play a part in creating a culture of generosity, but we just have a different role. Just like our our guys back there in the shadows, everybody turn around and wave. They love attention. They love attention. We cannot create a culture of generosity without them, even though not many of us know what they do on a Sunday or throughout the week, but they are so valuable to creating a culture of generosity. Just like our kids' ministry, right? Parents, drop them off, get some time to yourself, right? So valuable, so valuable. Our, our, our um, students, middle school and high school students, the UG folks, so valuable in creating that culture. And we've got, we've got so many areas, guest experience, worship team, so many parts to this body at the church that are so valuable in creating that culture of generosity. And when we do that, when we, when we succeed at creating that, that culture, like, like we're truly we're truly creating a space for people to invest in that relationship with God. And that's, I got God right here on number four. Your relationship with God is so important. Making sure that you spend time with God, invest time with God, it, it is so important. One day I was talking to Pastor Kevin, and I swear, Pastor Kevin sometimes will throw some things out at me. Just, I, I don't know, just catching me by surprise. But I'm just walking by, he's like, hey, you know, you, if you want to live like Jesus, you got to live in the rhythms of Jesus, in the rhythms of Jesus. And like I said, this was not a conversation we were having. So we're just walking by. He says that, and I was like, did he, is that a riddle? I don't know what that is. Is that a riddle? I don't, I don't know, but I had to go to Scripture. You know, I just looked for the red print, right, because that's how you find out when Jesus is talking in Scripture. I just found the red font. And uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So the rhythm of Jesus is simply, it's just, it's loving God, right? Loving God with everything we got. And then loving your neighbor. See, to have a relationship with God, we have to make a commitment. And we just have to make a commitment to pursue, to seek, to spend time with him. And then we make that commitment to love people to love people. You can't truly love God if you don't love his people. So I want to ask you guys, have, have, you made, have you made a commitment to seek God? Have you made that commitment before? Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, but seek first. It doesn't say anything about second. Just seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all things will be given to you. Have you been seeking him first? Have you prioritized him in your schedule? You know, maybe you're a morning person. That's like my wife. She's a morning person. She gets up super early. She spends time with the Lord in the morning. Are you doing that? You're a morning person. Or maybe you're an evening person. Maybe you, you like to sleep in a little bit, but you like to stay up late. Are you spending time with God in the evening? Are you tuning into Netflix, binge watching something? Maybe you shouldn't be. For me, I'm neither. I don't fall in that, so don't feel bad if you're like, nope, that's not me, that's not me. I don't fall into either. I'm kind of like a middle-of-the-day kind of guy, 10 a.m., 6 p.m., that's where, I'm, that's where I'm best. So I spend time with God mostly around my lunchtime. Like when I, when I take time out of work, that's when I spend time with God. But are you prioritizing him in your schedule? Or are you procrastinating? Have you been procrastinating? You know, when you look ahead in your life, where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 years, maybe 20 years, 25 years? Where do you see yourself? 
Do you see yourself disconnected from the relationships in your life, from church, from God, because you were too busy today, because you weren't faithful with the now? Or maybe if you're a parent and you look at your kid's life, where do you want to see their life when they get older? Do you want to see them connected to a church family, a relationship with Christ, living out their purpose? Or are you too busy? Too busy to get them connected. Too busy to get them to church. And what are you doing with the opportunities in your life? I believe God gives us opportunities every day. He's putting somebody in our life every day. Might be somebody we don't know. He's given us opportunities and relationships in our life. He's given you opportunities at your job. He's given you opportunities maybe at the grocery store, wherever. But he's given us opportunities every day to show the community the love of Jesus. How are you responding? How do you respond to those opportunities? Do you look past them? Do you say, I'm too busy for that right now, God? I'll get with you later. Every day there's an opportunity to respond. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. A lot of these things, we've talked about discipline today. We've talked about a lot of things that takes patience. Man, we're not a patient society, right? A lot of us are going to go home and we're going to put food in the microwave because we're a microwave society, not just with food, but with everything. Like we want the best job we can have right out of, right out of school. When we move out of our parents' house, what do we want to do? We want to move into a house just like our parents because we're a microwave society, but scripture tells us to be patient. Be patient like a farmer. And I, if I'd have thought about this in Wilmington, I wouldn't have got it. But we moved back to Stanley County about three years ago. We moved in a neighborhood surrounded by cornfields. I mean, we are just, it's an anomaly. We are a neighborhood surrounded by cornfields. And I've learned that farmers are the most patient people in the world. Like they they have so much faith with what they start with, just a seed. And then they're so patient with that seed. They plant it. They wait for the, the rains. They wait for the crops to mature, and then they have to harvest it. They're so patient and so faithful. So what if, what, what if, what if you had the patience of a farmer? What if you scheduled your priorities and what if you were faithful with a little what would your life look like would it look the same would your life look the same or would it look different would it look different and if so if you're if if you're thinking yeah my, my life would look a little bit different if so then i think it's time i think it's time you spend spend some time with god and ask him what little can I be faithful with today? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.